Hey, I'm Dr. Michael Hunter, forensic pathologist from Autopsy, Reels Channel's medical mystery series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to download the Podcast One app and subscribe. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find more programs like this one on Reels Channel. Friends and fans around the world are mourning the loss of television's Michael Landon. Michael Landon was a television icon for more than three decades. He had that aura, that is star power. As an actor, producer, and director, he created almost 1,000 hours of television. Well, maybe I didn't want you to come, okay? Everything he touched turned to gold. His family shows, Bonanza, Little House on the Prairie, and Highway to Heaven are aired on repeat to this day. He knew how to pluck the heartstrings of his audience. Michael had a gift. He impacted lives. But behind the charming smiles, he harbored dark secrets. I thought at the time, he's drinking a lot. He was totally, totally addicted. And on July 1st, 1991, Michael Landon died. I have here Michael Landon's death certificate which states he died from metastatic pancreatic cancer. The average age to be diagnosed with this form of cancer is 71. Michael Landon was just 54. Although it's well known as a potent and fast killer, patients can live up to five years after diagnosis. But Michael went from being a fit and healthy man to dead in just 12 weeks. I want to know what led him to develop such an aggressive disease and why he died so soon. World-renowned medical examiner and forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter has performed around 5,000 autopsies. Collaborating closely with law enforcement and other forensic specialists. His pivotal role in investigating suspicious cases has revealed the truth behind mysterious deaths for over 20 years. In March 1991, Michael Landon appeared to be a healthy, fit individual. But just three months later, he died following a short battle with pancreatic cancer. I will use Michael's medical history and first-hand testimony to investigate how Michael contracted the disease and the reason it took his life so swiftly. March 6, 1991. Great Western Forum, Los Angeles, California. Four months before he dies, Michael is taking his two youngest children, Sean and Jennifer, and wife Cindy, to the opening night of the Moscow State Circus in Los Angeles. Dr. Kerry Present, Michael Landon's doctor. He had a wonderful family, nine children, and two young children, ages four and seven, whom he wanted to spend time with. Michael has been married twice before. He has two adopted sons with actress Dodie Levy Fraser, and he has another adopted daughter as well as four biological children with model Lynn No. Michael's family was important in every aspect of Michael's life. He really, really loved his children. Michael is at the peak of his career. Having finished his third hit TV series, Highway to Heaven, he's now in production with his latest show for CBS. They had done a pilot and was very successful, and he was very excited about that new project, which was called Us. 
But Michael is masking some troubling symptoms. He has lost his appetite and feels unusually full. Michael loved Cindy so much that he didn't want to, what he felt was burden Cindy with something that at the time he felt was not serious. So he just kept it to himself. I can see from accounts that just 14 weeks before his death, Michael was suffering from moderate pain in the abdomen, loss of appetite, weight loss, and an unusual feeling of fullness. I see that Michael's doctors diagnosed him with peptic ulcers and prescribed antacid tablets to combat the acidity in his stomach. However, Michael's symptoms were also consistent with pancreatic cancer, which, if caught too late, could be deadly. Born Eugene Maurice Orowitz on October 31, 1936, in Forest Hills, New York, Michael was the son of movie theater manager Eli Orowitz and former comedy actress Peggy O'Neill. But his mother battled with mental health problems, meaning Michael had to grow up fast. Karen Grassel, co-star Little House on the Prairie. Mike had a very terrible childhood. His mother was probably certifiable. She suffered from terrible anxiety and depression, and she would do things like turn on the gas and stick her head in the oven. It seems like the family, his dad and his sister, must have just gotten used to it by then. And poor Michael was there trying to pull his mother's head out from the oven. Young Michael also struggled with bedwetting. And his mother would throw the sheets out the window to, to embarrass him. Later in life, Michael would joke about the way this affected him as a child. Because when you're a little guy and you went to bed, you don't think anybody in the world wets the bed except you. You think so you're the comes, only this one. this comes out of a personal experience. Oh, sure, I was a bedwetter. <laughs> he's looking like he's worried about the couch. No. To escape the negativity of his childhood home, Michael threw himself into sports. Michael's great achievement in his youth was to throw the javelin. And he threw it further than most pros could throw it. At the age of 18, he won a javelin scholarship to the University of Southern California. But then a terrible shoulder injury forced Michael to drop out halfway through freshman year. That shoulder injury changed his life and put it on the path that brought him to be America's favorite young star. Michael chanced upon acting when a friend asked him to be his scene partner for an audition, and Michael ended up getting the role. Mike had this incredible dynamism, so his energy poured out of him. He poured out of his body, his face, his eyes, probably out of his hair. Michael found an agent who agreed to represent him and changed his name from Eugene Orowitz to Michael Landon. His drive and his focus was almost like nothing I have ever seen before. So once he decided that he wanted to become an actor, nothing was going to stop him. After a string of minor TV roles, Michael soon won the lead in the cult classic film, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Three years later, 
He earned his big break as Little Joe Cartwright in NBC's Bonanza, working alongside actress Ruta Lee. Michael was not only handsome, he was adorable. And I was very young and I adored him. I think everybody fell in love with him. Bonanza ran for 14 years, and Michael became the most popular character on what was the most watched show in U.S. history. Towards the end of the show's run, a tragedy struck that would change the course of Michael's career. His adopted daughter Cheryl was in a horrific car accident. And the doctor told me that, that as far as he was concerned, there was practically no chance at all. She was in critical condition, and Michael, he left the set of Bonanza and was with Cheryl week after week after week. But Michael never gave up hope. He made a commitment to the Almighty that if God did him a favor, he would turn the rest of his life into creating film and projects that would be morally sound and uplifting to the nation. Cheryl lived, and Michael went on to write, direct, produce, and star in Highway to Heaven and Little House on the Prairie. He had this dream of the ideal family, and that's what he wrote about and what he tried to put over. Karen Grassley played the wife of Michael's much-loved character, Pa Ingalls. Every woman that I would meet would want to know. What was it like to kiss him? Definitely a heartthrob to women of all ages, all over this country. His career culminated with him winning four Emmy Awards and a Golden Globe. He built a niche for himself in this country, and I think worldwide, too, that uh, very few people can match. April 2nd, 1991. Park City, Utah, three months before his death. Michael is on a skiing vacation with his family, but he is suddenly overcome with a searing pain in his abdomen. Michael collapsed. He was in a lot of pain, and he collapsed. And that was the first sign that something was going on. I can see from first-hand accounts that Michael thought the pain was due to stomach ulcers but such an extreme burning sensation can be a symptom of pancreatic cancer. The pancreas is a small organ behind the stomach that produces digestive juices and hormones to break down food and regulate blood sugar levels. Tumors can damage the bundle of nerves called the celiac plexus at the back of the pancreas, causing burning, shooting, and stabbing pains. April 4th, 1991. Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, Los Angeles, California. Michael has flown back home for a battery of tests, and the results are life-changing. CT scans revealed a growth in Michael's pancreas around four inches across, roughly the size of a baseball. Considering the pancreas is only six inches long, this was a significant mass, and a biopsy confirmed that Michael's tumor was cancerous. Pancreatic cancer normally develops from the cells that produce digestive juices. 
the cells multiply and divide uncontrollably. Michael's tumor was pushing on his stomach, causing pain and discomfort in the abdomen, which also explains his loss of appetite. When Michael first discovered that he had cancer, he threw himself down on the floor, did a whole bunch of press-ups and push-ups and said, Bull, look how strong I am. I can beat this sucker. I can beat it. Over 80% of pancreatic cancers develop between the ages of 60 and 80 years old. Michael was a fit and healthy 54-year-old who exercised for two hours every day. So why did he get it so young? I've discovered that behind his strict health regimen lay an array of potentially lethal addictions. Could these have ultimately been responsible for his early demise? He had pushed himself beyond his limit. True crime is my passion, but even I need the occasional break. So when I feel like I need a mental palate cleanser, my go-to refresher is Best Fiends. I've really been loving playing the game and doing all the different puzzles. They have a story in the game, so it really engages your brain as you play along, and they make it really fun with all the characters. There's different sort of bugs that are the main characters, and then the, the antagonists are the slugs, so it's pretty fun. And while it has challenging puzzles, it's a pretty casual game, so you can play anytime, and you don't need to commit um, a ton of your time to it, and you can just sort of do it when you have a few minutes or a few hours. I've been playing quite a bit while I'm working at home and just need to take a little break. So I'm moving along pretty well. My goal is to get to level 80 soon. Um, so I'm definitely getting close to that. All the bright colors and the visual style, it really just keeps me engaged. And, and I really enjoy having that time to sort of take a break and play Best Fiends. It's a unique and exciting puzzle experience, unlike other puzzle games out there. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so it definitely never gets old. I've been able to collect tons of characters and then I can use them to get to each new level um, so it really gives you a sense of accomplishment too engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters trust me with over 100 million downloads this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must play download best fiends free on the app store or google play that's friends without the r best fiends friends and fans around the world are mourning the loss of television's michael landon on july 1st 1991 actor director and producer michael landon died at his Malibu home in Los Angeles. Now, leading forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is scrutinizing Michael's medical records. In April 1991, Michael Landon was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, a disease that most often afflicts people over the age of 65. So I need to look into the possible triggers for Michael's cancer to discover what could have caused it to develop at the relatively young age of 54. From accounts, I see that Michael engaged in a practice that placed him at much higher risk of damaging his pancreas, and that was drinking. Bring us another beer. At the age of 24, Michael started drinking heavily with his newfound Bonanza family. He described to me the way they drank on Bonanza. They drank all day was terrifying to me. Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, psychologist. He's a young guy. He's on, you know, a big, quite male-dominated set where everyone else is drinking. And he would have, I think, at least in some ways, wanted to be part of that culture to show he was one of the gang. But by 1960, Michael's unhealthy lifestyle had become problematic and came to a head on a flight to Los Angeles. Ruta Lee, actress and friend. 
Michael collapsed in what the poor stewardess thought was an epileptic fit, a seizure, something. Clearly, that was a sign from the Almighty that something was wrong. According to reports, Michael got his drinking under control. But in the 70s, when he became the writer, producer, director, and star of Little House on the Prairie, it appears his drinking escalated. He reached frequently for a cup with a little inch of vodka in it. So it wasn't obvious to the children that he was drinking vodka. But his costumer uh, always knew when to go and get little snort for Mike and that could be morning noon or night long-term consumption of alcohol releases toxic substances into the pancreas that cause inflammation known as chronic pancreatitis this is a major risk factor for developing pancreatic cancer additionally Drinking spirits like vodka and whiskey damages the pancreas even more than other types of alcohol. Studies suggest that having more than three drinks of hard liquor per day increases the chances of contracting pancreatic cancer by a third. It was believed that Michael's use of alcohol was a way of coping with the pressures of the job. He needed to see dailies but he also needed to be on set from 7.30 in the morning until at least 6, 6.30 at night. So he would have to come in at five and then work all day and then maybe meet with writers at the end of the day. It was tough going. According to reports, as a result of Michael's pressurized career, his drinking habit continued. Bruce Merritt, Michael's publicist, 1973 to 1991. Michael said publicly, I've had too much alcohol. But after marrying his third wife, Cindy Clerico, in 1983, he became much more focused on health and fitness. I don't feel that Michael was ever reckless with his body. He really cared about the way that he looked, and that's why he was on a regimen where three times a week he would work out. He cared about his body. It was like his palace. From reports, it appears that Michael drank a lot throughout his life. But in the 10 years running up to his death, he was not drinking to excess. While I cannot rule out long-term alcohol consumption as playing a part in the development of Michael's cancer, there is another, more deadly addiction that can cause cancer cells to grow rapidly, and that's smoking. Cigarette smoking is the only confirmed environmental cause of pancreatic cancer, and is thought to double the risk of developing the disease. Studies suggest that one in three pancreatic cancer cases are caused directly from smoking. I don't think that there was ever a time that there wasn't a cigarette burning somewhere that he could pick up and take a drag on. So he was totally, totally addicted. There are over 60 carcinogenic chemicals in cigarettes. 
the worst of these, nicotine and nitrosamine, have been shown to reach the pancreas and cause molecular damage, leading to genetic mutations, inflammation, and fibrosis. Accumulating evidence suggests that inflammatory cells in the pancreas also release proteins called cytokines and chemokines that stimulate the growth of cancer cells. Everybody that loved Michael tried to get him to stop. But nobody was able to stop him smoking until he got the diagnosis. Scientific studies have shown that the damage done to the pancreas by smoking can be reversed by quitting, and that after 10 years of being a non-smoker, the risk of developing pancreatic cancer decreases significantly. Had Michael given up sooner, he might have never developed the disease in the first place. Having established some of the risk factors that could have led Michael to develop cancer in the first place, I want to find out why he went from displaying no symptoms of ill health to being dead in just a matter of months. That's when he started to reach out for every other thing that was available, as crackpot an idea as it could be. Hollywood actor Michael Landon died at his Malibu home on July 1st, 1991. Now, Dr. Michael Hunter is piecing together the reasons for his rapid demise. So far, I've discovered that Michael was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, possibly caused by heavy smoking and drinking. But with effective treatment, patients can live up to five years after diagnosis. And yet Michael died in just three months. So why did Michael, who had access to the world's best medical treatments, deteriorate so quickly? April 5th, 1991. Michael and Cindy's home, Malibu, California. Michael receives a call from his doctors with the results from recent tests. There are two types of tumors in the pancreas one that is often treatable called endocrine cancer and the other that is extremely aggressive called exocrine adenocarcinoma. I can see from his records that Michael was diagnosed with the most deadly form of the disease. Exocrine cancer develops from cells in the lining of the pancreatic duct and is only operable if the tumor has not spread beyond the pancreas. But I can see from Michael's notes that his tumor had started to impact on the blood vessels and tissues around the pancreas, meaning it was inoperable. If it can't be removed by an operation, the median survival rate is between six and 11 months. Michael Landon called me at my office. He said, Bruce, this is really sad. I have been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and it's very, very serious. He says, Bruce, I do not want this getting out to the tabloid media. Can we set up a news conference as soon as possible in Malibu? I want the public to know from me that I have pancreatic cancer. April 8th, 1991. Three days after Michael's diagnosis, he announces the news and shares his plans for tackling the disease. And I'm still hoping to beat it. Chemotherapy is a, is a guess one way or the other. Um, but I'll be starting it this week. Will you be 
hospitalized. As soon as I finished running the L.A. Marathon, I thought I'd wait until I got that out of the way. At the press conference, Michael's demeanor was just like you would always see Michael Landon. There wasn't sadness, there wasn't tears. He was very outgoing. He was very charismatic. I think it showed a wisdom to accept that given who he was and the life he had led, that he had to take this on the chin, take it straight out to the public and include them. April 18th, 1991, Cedars Sinai Medical Center. Two weeks after the initial diagnosis, Michael has his first chemotherapy session. Treatment options for exocrine pancreatic cancer are very limited, even today. But in 1991, the only hope of prolonging Michael's life was to adhere to a strict course of chemotherapy. I can see from his notes that he started a drug, fluorouracil, or 5-FU. 5-FU is a cytotoxic drug intended to disrupt the way that cancer cells grow and divide. But Michael isn't happy with the treatment. Michael was very opposed to chemotherapy. He didn't like the idea and the thought that all these chemicals were going into his body. And after just one course of standard chemotherapy, Michael decides to stop. He did not like the side effects from that standard chemotherapy. So Michael was shopping for another treatment. In 1991, the side effects of chemotherapy were even more potent than they are today. It can promote infection, sickness, and diarrhea, damage to the heart, sores in the mouth, peeling of the skin, and hair loss. Compounding that was the sheer intensity of the treatment schedule. The regimen would have involved at least eight weekly treatments, each lasting up to 22 hours. 5-FU has limited outcomes, even today. Some studies suggest that only 13% of patients receive any benefit from the drug. However, by choosing to stop standard chemotherapy, Michael was potentially putting himself at risk. Without any pharmaceutical treatment, his cancer was likely to advance. But Michael is determined to look elsewhere for a cure and starts following the Gerson diet an unproven alternative cancer therapy. Michael was open to everything. He was willing to try almost anything. From accounts, I see that the Gerson diet involved ingesting up to 18 pounds of liquefied fruit and vegetables per day and cutting out all meat and proteins. It's claimed that this reduces toxicity in the cells of the body and boost the immune system. A diet high in fruit and vegetables and low in processed meat would have provided nutrition. And it's a reasonable way of achieving daily dietary requirements. However, if Michael's body was already undernourished and in a weakened state, this diet could potentially lead to further weight loss and fatigue. April 24th, 1991, St. Vincent Medical Center, Los Angeles, California. Three weeks after his diagnosis, 
Michael has further CAT scans to assess the development of his tumor. They reveal not only that the tumor hasn't shrunk, but that it is growing. Michael's holistic regimen had failed to stop the growth of his cancer. By this point, it had doubled in size, meaning his pancreas was unable to produce the digestive enzymes and hormones needed to break down food and regulate blood sugars. It had also advanced and spread to the liver and lymph nodes around the colon. This is known as stage four pancreatic cancer, and survival time is a maximum of six months. Michael seeks out a new doctor, Dr. Carrie Prezant, who specializes in cutting edge cancer treatment. My first impressions of Michael was here was a person who was deeply distressed with his prognosis. But Michael was a fighter. Michael wanted to do anything possible to get the best outcomes. Dr. Prezant tells Michael about a radical new targeted form of chemotherapy developed by his laboratory. Donosome is a microscopic fat bubble loaded with a standard chemotherapy. We found that they produced much less toxicity because normal tissues don't take them up. Michael said, yes, if I can get Donosome, I want to. The treatment had never been used on a patient with pancreatic cancer. Donosome was very new. We knew what it did in animals, but what did it do in people? And so Michael was one of the first people to receive Donosome. The world was hanging on tender hooks saying what's going to happen. I'm not sure about all of you, but my hair care situation um, has had to sort of shift a bit <laughs> given our current situation. So what I have really found out that I love is using Madison Reed. You can take coloring your hair at home to a completely next level and it's really simple. Plus you deserve gorgeous professional hair color and they deliver it right to your door. And it's only starting at $22. For decades, women have had two options for coloring their hair, either outdated at-home color that you just get at a store or the time and expense of a traditional salon. But right now is the perfect time for you to try out Madison Reed, especially if you need to give your hair a refresh, which I'm sure a lot of you are getting to that point. <laughs> Many Madison Reed clients comment on how their new hair color has improved their lives. And it's clear that people love the results. You can get gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy looking hair. It's really game-changing color you can just do at home, and it makes it so simple. Plus, it looks as if you just came from the salon. What I love is Madison Reed color is super unique. It's crafted by master colorists who blend so many different nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. You can find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Autopsy listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code AUTOPSY. That's code AUTOPSY. Much Love star Michael Landon left Hollywood reeling after his death at the age of 54. Now world-renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is scrutinizing Michael's medical records to better understand the cancer that killed the actor so quickly at such a young age. I can see from reports that two months before his death, Michael's cancer had spread beyond the pancreas to the liver and the lymph nodes around his colon and that he started an experimental chemotherapy treatment called Donazome. But did this new drug contribute to his death just eight weeks later? 
May 9, 1991, less than two months before his death, Michael appears on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He charms the audience with his usual wit and humor. Okay, we've got, you've got a show, a pilot that's going on, uh, you made for this fall. That's right. Call uh, us. Call us. I uh, made it for CBS. Uh, I don't get better. It's their second mistake since buying baseball. <laughs> You'd never know that there was anything wrong with it. He still was vital and charming and funny. He was still everybody's golden boy. May 20th, 1991. Michael and Cindy's home, Malibu, California. Six weeks before his death, Michael's condition takes a serious downturn. After one of his treatments, he became short of breath. He had chest pain. Uh, he collapsed. I can see from notes that Michael developed a blood clot or thrombosis in his leg that traveled to his lung, causing shortness of breath and pain in his chest. This is called a pulmonary embolism and can be fatal. Michael is rushed to the hospital for treatment. Blood clots are a common side effect of chemotherapy treatment. Chemotherapy drugs reduce the production of proteins that normally protect the body from clots. Pancreatic cancer sufferers are over four times more likely to develop clots because the tumor produces a high volume of molecules called procoagulants that make the blood sticky. According to Michael's reports, doctors administered medication to thin his blood and decided to insert an inferior vena cava blood clot filter in Michael's groin. We didn't want him to suffer more problems with blood clots. We wanted to filter those out so they didn't affect him badly. Cindy sleeps at Michael's bedside, praying for his recovery. I salute her for keeping body and soul together for Michael, for herself, for the family. You know, she suffered. I can see from his notes that following the procedure, Michael contracted the flu. At this point, his immune system was seriously depleted by the cancer itself and also by the new donosome drug that suppresses the white blood cells in the body, making it harder to fight infection. Despite the flu, three days later, on May 24th, Michael is deemed well enough to leave the hospital. It was like a movie premiere. He's coming out of the hospital. The press got from him what they always got was a smile and a wink and a wave. June 16th, 1991, St. Vincent Medical Center. Two weeks before his death. Dr. Prezant reviews Michael's latest scans, which reveal that the donosome has failed to prevent the spread of Michael's cancer. The tumor is growing and has almost completely taken hold of his liver. The last time I saw Michael was when we had results revealing progression of his cancer, and I knew that the donosome was not working, and Michael knew that it was not working. Michael's knowledge that this had spread was devastating to him. It was time to make some serious decisions. Michael decides to stop treatment and prepares himself for the end. He didn't want the injections didn't want the needles. 
He wanted his family, and he wanted to be able to spend time with them. Michael was very much one of those people that did life on their own terms, and he did dying on his own terms too. He weighs up the effects of the treatment for how much more time he's going to have, and ultimately he decides that, you know, I, I want to do it my way, and I want to be as well as I can and be with my family. For the first time since his diagnosis, Michael retreats from the public eye. You want to use whatever life you have left to be with the people you love or to straighten out anything that you need to straighten out before you go. June 24th, 1991. Michael and Cindy's home. Seven days before his death. Michael is losing three pounds in weight every day and is barely able to eat. Loss of appetite occurs as a result of fluid building up in the abdomen. Cancer in the liver raises the pressure in nearby blood vessels, which forces fluid into the surrounding membranes. Additionally, the liver cannot make essential blood proteins, which also causes fluid to leak into the abdominal cavity. I can imagine that it must have been overwhelming to see this big, gorgeous, strong hunk falling inward to where he became all of 90 pounds or something. I knew that it was imminent because he was getting weaker and weaker and weaker. So that last week was just living hell for all of us. July 1st, the day of Michael's death. Michael knows the end is near and gathers his family around him. I think Michael would not have wanted it any other way. Michael had his circle at home that was wonderful. Those wonderful goodbye kisses and loving expressions. It was so important to him and he got to say goodbye to his loving family. One twenty p.m. Cindy sits by Michael's bedside as she watches him fade away. It was less than three months ago that actor Michael Landon was diagnosed with inoperable liver and pancreatic cancer. Today it took his life at the age of 54. When news finally hit of Michael's death, I was in total shock at the brevity to think that we lost him that fast was absolutely overwhelming. I felt like Mike Tyson hit me in the stomach as hard as he could. I, I was devastated because I loved him. He was way more than a client. He was a friend. But after Michael's death, damning accusations in the press make shockwaves. Michael Landon's death on July 1st, 1991, from metastatic liver and pancreatic cancer, just three months after his diagnosis, shocked Hollywood. But despite the advanced nature of Michael's cancer, after he died, accusations were made about his treatment. A lady named Charlotte Gerson claimed that the doctors who were feeding Michael oncological drugs 
to help him is what killed him. Charlotte Gerson's father, Dr. Max Gerson, pioneered the controversial juice therapy Michael had followed. Charlotte reportedly claimed that chemotherapy could actually harm patients like Michael, who suffered from pancreatic cancer. Given the fact that Michael's cancer was at such an advanced stage, any treatment regimen he was on would have had a slim chance of success. But his doctors clearly believed chemotherapy was worth a try. And Dr. Hunter's investigation has revealed a surprising reason for Michael developing cancer in the first place. I have discovered that five other members of the main Little House on the Prairie cast developed cancer and that they filmed the series near a nuclear laboratory that has been linked to a much higher incidence of cancer among residents in the area. For nine years, Little House on the Prairie was filmed just 15 miles away from the Santa Susana Nuclear Laboratory. It took months and months uh, for us to find the right outdoor location. Finally, this ranch was found out in Simi Valley. It was perfect for us. When hundreds of local residents started suffering from cancer, scientists discovered that the Santa Susana lab had been the site of the worst radioactive disaster in U.S. history, and that years of contamination had prompted a cancer epidemic. Tonight, a new report is out about a nuclear accident here in the Southland almost 50 years ago, and it says the accident did have long-lasting health effects. Studies have concluded that this was responsible for up to 2,000 cancer-related deaths and led to a 60% increase in cancers such as lung, bladder, kidney, liver, blood, lymph node, upper digestive tract, and thyroid cancers. Five cast members of Little House on the Prairie, the set of which was located very near the nuclear facility that had a meltdown, one has to stop and think, isn't there some kind of a connection? Despite the scientific studies linking proximity to the site with elevated cancer rates, there is no scientific evidence to suggest that Michael's pancreatic cancer was caused by him working so close to the contaminated area. Although I can't rule it out entirely, I have found another, much more compelling and direct cause of his cancer. Dr. Hunter has dug into Michael Landon's family history and found two critical clues that likely cost Michael his life. Cancer forms when DNA is damaged or mutated, and these gene mutations can be inherited. I can see from his records that Michael's father was of Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry. Individuals of Ashkenazi Jewish descent are much more likely to carry defective copies of the BRCA1 and 2 genes that are known to cause breast, ovarian, prostate, and a tenfold increased risk of pancreatic cancer. Dr. Hunter has also discovered that Michael's mother's side of the family, who were not Jewish, had a history of colon cancer. Colon cancer falls within a group of cancers, including pancreatic, liver, and stomach cancer that is caused by a specific group of inherited gene mutations. Together, these genetic mutations are called Lynch syndrome. It's 
highly likely that Michael inherited these mutated genes from his ancestors and that they caused the pancreatic cancer to develop. Michael, unfortunately, did not know his family history well. He was somewhat apart from his family. This syndrome is one that we now can test for in a simple blood test or a simple saliva test to see if a person carries that gene. Had Michael known about his family history and if he had been able to be tested early on for these specific gene mutations, his life might have been saved. But unfortunately for Michael, his cancer wasn't diagnosed until it had already started to advance. Ultimately, there is not one single reason for someone to develop pancreatic cancer, but Michael's genetic predisposition for developing the disease is one of the most significant factors, which was exacerbated by the fact that he was a heavy smoker and drinker who worked within a very pressurized environment. Add to that, his cancer was diagnosed after it had already spread, meaning that regardless of the treatment he received, he had very little chance of survival. Having discovered why Michael Landon was likely to have developed his cancer, Dr. Michael Hunter can now reveal the probable way in which it finally killed him. There is no doubt that metastatic pancreatic cancer led to Michael Landon's death on July 1st, 1991. But I believe it was liver failure that ultimately killed him. Michael's tumor was obstructing the bile ducts, causing bile to back up into the liver. Additionally, the tumor in the liver would have prevented it from functioning properly. The liver is critical to hundreds of essential processes within the body, but most importantly, it flushes out toxic substances. Michael's failing liver would have allowed lethal toxins like ammonia to build up in the blood, which would have eventually poisoned multiple organs. In particular, increasingly high levels of toxic ammonia likely irreversibly damaged Michael's brain, leading to him losing consciousness, falling into a coma, and dying. Michael worked hard to put a brave face on his difficult childhood. He worked hard to make a success of his career, and when he was presented with the biggest challenge of his life, stage four pancreatic adenocarcinoma, he truly believed he could work hard to beat that too. The fact he battled with dignity, courage, and optimism was a victory in itself. He left so much. I think of that rather than what we lost. I think of all the shows that he left behind that are still moving people today. Who knows how many wonderful television moments he would have produced for us. But he's left us with an awful lot. And sad it wasn't more. Happy it was as much as it was. I've just had a very lucky life. I've been very successful in, uh, in this business and had a lot of fun doing it. I have a terrific family. I've been a lucky guy. Very lucky guy. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autopsy. Don't forget to subscribe at podcastone.com with the Podcast One app or at Apple Podcasts. 
Then go to Reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, for clips, extras, and more from the TV version of the series, including reenactments and autopsy photos you'll only see on Reels' channel. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. I'm Dr. Michael Hunter.